Well, hello and welcome back to the Will and Rob show. I, I want to say also before I tell anybody who we are again, while I still have you, uh, sometimes we have different introductions, you know, well, hello and welcome back to welcome into, hey there guys, it's me, Rob, with my good friend, Will. Um, there's no rhyme or reason if any of y'all have been looking for patterns or an explanation for ha- perhaps why we've done these in- different introductions. No, it is simply whatever feels right in the moment. And so Hey there, welcome back to the Will and Rob Show. It's so good to be with you. My name is Will Stockdale, Ministry Associate here with Ministry of State. That is a ministry of the PCA in Washington, D.C. that seeks to serve and minister to men and women serving in government. And as always, I am here with my very good friend, colleague, coworker. Um, you know, in your Twitter bio, you don't actually have any of your relation to me in there. So I feel like I was giving you a Twitter bio, but of which I'm completely no, I'm trying absent. to keep distance online, trying to keep smart. distance online. Always smart, smart, right? Toxic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Robert Hassler, Robert, it's great to be with you. Um, how's life? Oh man. Great question. Uh, life's good, man. Uh, it's busy. I've got a huge, uh, history test for seminary coming up. And so I'm studying, you know, this, that small little period of church history from the Reformation uh, through Jonathan Edwards, you know, not a lot happened in that time, I guess, but, you know, I'm trying to learn it all for this test. And um, My understanding I did, is that Europe was relatively stable. Yes. Very, very quiet. Not a lot going on over there mm-hmm. uh, during that time. Uh, the uh, other part of my test is I have to write a paper on Zwingli's uh, theology of the Lord's Supper. Uh, I actually picked that topic because it gave me an excuse to order Bruce Gordon's new biography about Zwingli. So, you know, I texted that to my, one of my classmates, he told me I was playing chess while everyone was playing checkers. So that's kind of what I do. I, I usually organize my seminary assignments so that it gives me an excuse to buy books that I want to read. That is an excellent, excellent strategy. And you, you mentioned, you know, Zwingli's theology of the Lord's Supper. I feel like in some ways to be a snooty patootie Calvinist, we'd be like, what theology? Exactly. hundred percent. Zwingli. 100%. I, I, you know, I, that's one of those things where you could turn in the paper and be like, there is none. Um, uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to do that. In fact, um, uh, after all my research, you know, I kind of was the, the sort of, uh, you know, reactionary seminarian, you know, where you kind of come in and you sort of rap, you know, rail against everything that you were taught. And so you kind of see the things that you, you grew up and you'd be like, oh, I'm going to do it better. I'm going to be right about this stuff. Um, and then it's kind of a cringy attitude. And then sort of, uh, as you grow and you get mature and, and you get older, you realize like, oh, there's like a reason for some of this kind of stuff. Um, and so I've actually, I kind of came into the paper being like, oh, this is going to be terrible. And I've actually kind of come to really appreciate a lot of stuff about Zwingli. I think he maybe gets a little bit overlooked a little bit too much. So you're saying this class grew you up, that you have grown up as a result of your Can you believe history? it? Can you believe it? I know. Yeah. I was going to ask, let us know when you get there, but it's good to know <laughs> that you Thanks. You seem to have arrived. (laughs) How wonderful. Um, Well, we do have an exciting announcement that we will make next week um, for our 100th episode. Can you Uh, believe it? We're almost at 100 episodes. That's nuts. Yeah, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And remember, (laughs) I think back, it only took 90 something to reference Chuck Garriott. So that's true. Maybe by like, you know, uh, episode 300 something, you know, another ministry of state employee will get a shout out. Who knows? We'll think, about it. We'll think about it. <laughs> we'll give it time. Um, 
but hey, yeah, it, it's great to be back with you guys. There is a lot going on in the world. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that we've talked about is the this crisis, the war in Ukraine. That is, uh, it is not an underestimation, under uh, understatement to say that it is reshaping a lot of the global order, if not the entire global order, uh, in a way that um, is is fairly cataclysmic. Maybe actually a correctly correct usage of that term. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think one thing for us uh, as Americans, we can be tempted to look away and to uh, neglect or forget about it. But there is an importance to look on with compassion um, while remembering who is on the throne, but to not to not stop thinking about the suffering that's going on over there. Um, in addition, we have, you know, troubles at home. Uh, there's issues of inflation and um gas prices and whatnot. And, and uh, as I think about how we're heading into the summer, you know, we need to be praying against um, crime rising, um, uh, just, just uh, issues where people feel desperate. And so just, you know, I I think, I don't, I don't want to say this as a doom gloom uh, uh, ominous warning, other than when we look, at least when I look onto the future and I, and I see the, where the things are set um, it just seems like there, there could be a really, really rough, next few months ahead of us. And, um, well, do you want to share that little anecdote that you had with your pizza delivery guy? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so on late Saturday night, I ordered Domino's pizza. I got the pizza, uh, ordered online. And as they do on what's on the, what's on the mitzvah, man, all kinds of meats. I think every (laughs) meat that they have in that store, it doesn't even, it's not even consistent. Whatever meat that particular Domino's has, they just throw it on there. (laughs) Delicious. Um, but so, so, uh, and they have their tracker and I noticed that like the pizza's made fairly quickly and it's sitting at, uh, Joanna was inspecting it for like an hour. Uh, it was sitting there at 10, 18 PM started inspecting it. And then it didn't leave the store until like 1120 or so. And then it finally gets to me and I'm, I'm frustrated, but I get out there. I'm like, you know, whatever, it's not a big deal. And I get out the guy, I'm like, man, uh, y'all guys pretty busy tonight. He's like, man, yeah, we are super busy, super slammed. Um, and I'm a manager, which means that if you see me out here, you know, things are bad. I was like, really? What's going on? I was like, we just can't find people to work. Mm. Um, we just can't get people to work. And so he's like, the money's good. There's compensation for him. But the fact is that there's this, these delays. And um, it was, a, it was obviously a small little insight, but it is a reflection of the crunch people are feeling the lack of labor that there is out there. And with, <laughs> People are working less and prices are going up. There just seems to be like a growing disparity here uh, and issues going on. And so, um, you know, if you know how to help, let us know. Maybe there's something we can mention. Uh, Prayers are obviously important and just um, just things to think. Again, this is not an ominous doom and gloom, but just a a sense of like, hey, um, we need to uh, pray for wise, good leadership and um, order is a good thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we're living in a time of upheaval. For sure. So. But that is not why we're here. That's not what we specifically wanted to talk about. What we did want to talk about is a bill that is uh, coming uh, uh, to the governor's desk in Florida um, that is uh, causing a lot of consternation uh, uh, and and, uh, vocal response from the LGBTQ. I know there are more, but I will just say those those, uh, five letters um, uh, in response to it. And that is the... Uh, parental rights and education bill that is there. You may know it as the don't say gay bill. Um, so I, uh, I guess Robert, you know, there's, there's more I want to say, if you don't mind, I'll go on for a couple more seconds and then we can back and forth, but 
Can you for can you for me and for the audience explain what is in the what's the technical term? The, the technical term is the parental rights and education bill. Okay, can you tell us what's in the parental rights and education bill? Yeah, so what I'll do is uh, thank you. I would love to. There, uh, it, it's it's uh, it's not that long. It's about a paragraph long. Um, the whole bill is only a paragraph long. CS slash CS slash HB one five five seven is about that. That's that's what this at least this portion of the bill looks like. This is the um, House. Yeah, this House Bill fifteen fifty seven. Um, so it, it has to do with it was pushed back in response to I think a lot of concern around CRT is a lot of what this was. And so uh, this was a concern about closed classrooms also and parents not having access to knowing what's going on their students. Uh, uh, teachers telling their students they couldn't tell their parents about stuff that was going on, uh, or willingness to hide stuff from parents. There's this pushback to say, hey, our parents should be able to see in the classroom, know what's going on and have some form of say. And there's just one portion that has caused all of this outrage, really. This, there's just one um, clause. Um, and it says this, prohibits classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in certain grade levels prohibits classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in certain grade levels. Um, there is actually the word gay is not in the bill at all. Uh, and so to clarify, uh, don't say gay has been um, a, a term that has been caused called by its opponents, uh, not its proponents. Um, it's, it's interesting. If you read different places, I think there's some confusion around this. NPR wrote an article saying that its advocates had keyed uh coined that term. That's not true. The Sun Sentinel, uh, a local paper in Florida, wrote that uh, that Governor DeSantis was having a lot of trouble pushing back against this bill because of the name that it had gotten, because the name is super catchy. But I think it's first and foremost important. Some people are like, oh, goodness, why would they name a bill like that? That sounds, and fair enough, like that's not a good name for a bill if that was any, but, but no one serious called it that. This is a name that is called by its by its by its uh, opponents, and so that's a first point to clarify. The second one that I thought is interesting, if you watch this on, if you listen to people comment on this, there's this big attitude that sounds like um, any talk about sexuality or gender of any sort is is expressly forbidden at any and all levels of education. Um, to clarify, this says in certain grades, those grades are limited to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade. So there are four grades out of the entire education system. And to put that in context, that's six, seven, eight, and nine-year-olds at the mm. oldest. Five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds in some cases. So we're not even in double digits yet. Mm. And so this bill has gotten a ton of pushback. If you've been watching the news, you've seen Disney has threatened to walk out um, because they feel like their CEO isn't doing enough to um, push back again it's, uh, to bring it. Pop culture icons are talking about it. The Luke Skywalker actor. Um, was Mark super, Hamill. Yeah, Mark Hamill, uh, super supportive of it. Um, so uh, we wanted we wanted to talk about this for one. I think just to set the record straight, of one, uh, it's 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 somewhat shocking that we even have to have this bill to begin with, because um, typically, I think twenty years ago, people would have understood. Yeah, we we don't want to talk about gender identity, uh, being transgender or any other type to a six-year-old like you just that's not wise uh things have changed though um and why people are so vociferous and and saying this has to be and so angry about it um being put into place but um 
Yeah, Rob, that, that's, that's the big intro. That's the bill. Uh, this is set within a larger context that we do want to be sensitive about and caring. We have, we have same-sex attracted friends that we know that are seeking to walk faithfully with the Lord and are honoring him and their bodies. And we are proud of them and we want to protect and honor them. Um, and so we understand that this is an interesting and delicate place to walk. But we also think it's important as Christian men and women in the world, uh, men and women, uh, that there are boundaries where we say, you cannot go any further than this. Uh, this is a good, true, and beautiful. This is this is the way God had made the world to flourish. Um, and we need to be able to lovingly yet firmly push back against places that compromise there. And so, Robert, uh, I want to kick it over to you um, and hear what yeah. you have to say. Yeah, actually, the, the way that I found out about the Disney thing was I was scrolling through Twitter yesterday morning and while I was having my coffee, and I noticed that there were two posts kind of like back-to-back that were the almost the exact same thing. It was like a black square with text on it. Um, and it was National Geographic had a post um, that was, you know, you know, basically, you know, we stand with support of our, uh, they had quite a few extra letters than the ones that you listed off. It was like LGBTQIA, the full, the full acronym. I think actually the number two is in there now. Is it? Okay. I, I don't know. I can't keep up the, uh, 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 they had a statement and then like a couple of tweets down was, you know, I follow ESPN as well. And they had the exact same statement, except I think they, they switched out like nature lovers for fans or something like that. And I was like, what is going on? And then I was like, Oh, that's right. All these entities are now owned by Disney. I forgot how, like how big Disney was. Um, and so that, you know, to have a, a, an organization like Disney um, push back so much on a, on a bill in Florida um, is actually quite significant because when you think about the economic dollars that they bring in to the state uh, through tourism because of their their uh, theme park um, and their studios, and it, it just uh, uh, it's a significant thing. Um, I think that, uh, and I think that 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 warrants a conversation, maybe not for this podcast, but it warrants a conversation about you know why why companies like a Disney feel such a strong need. And their employees feel such a, such a strong need that they would actually organize a walkout um, to protest uh, legislation that's that's doesn't re- affect them um, uh, as a con- as a company. I think that that opens up an interesting question about sort of the way that capitalism works uh, in twenty twenty two. But I think that's beyond our, our scope today. Um, I think kind of to to focus on on what's going on with the actual bill. I think you know we we really lost. On, on the one hand, what education is uh, and and its purpose, especially public education, um, you know, education is is always a partnership. Um, we actually don't believe, at least in in its genesis, we don't believe uh, uh, in an education where we sort of ship off our kids uh, to be taught um, wholesale by other people. We actually believe in a partnership between kids, their families, and the 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 teachers. Uh, that it's a it's a nexus. It all works together. That's why there are certain things that are not taught in public schools that are set, lay, left for families. Things like sex and gender, and 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 especially in public education, religion. Um, and then also, you know, there's there's things that all everything comes together. I mean, I know this seems like kind of trivial, but like that's the original intent behind something like homework, right? That like you bring work home to do like with the help of your parents so that they're like partnered with you in this education experience. Um, That's 
and if you go, if your kids are not in public school, if, or if you went to a private school or a homeschool co-op, it's far more interconnected like that than, a, than the public school model. And I think that we've kind of lost the idea of like what the point of public education is. Public education has gotten, like the school days have gotten longer. The subjects have gotten more intense um, and expansive because the, the role of public education, uh, we've just sort of lost it. And we treat it more as sort of like a, a camp, a day camp um, to send kids off to for like basically free babysitting uh, rather than um, a partnership of training up citizens uh, who will then sort of take the mantle and, and leave the next generation better off. Like that's kind of the whole point. So uh, I think this bill, the, the pushback to it represents uh, this sort of lost meaning of like what, why we do public education and why we consider it important as a nation you know, and fund it and, and all things like that. So that's kind of the first thing I think of. Yeah, I think that um, in general, public education is viewed as in order to have a, a good public, you need a good citizenry uh, and you need an educated citizenry. And uh, you don't just need education and book learning, that you need also an ethical education as well, that there is a, a, a sense in which C.S. Lewis gets at this very, clearly very brilliantly in the abolition of man and making men without chests. And I think one of the things that we'll get to a little later on in the show is the reality of it. We could, you know, we're at such a shaky place in our country and our uh, social life that we're not sure where we can stand in terms of inculcating um, public virtues and norms mm -hmm. within people. Um, how, what, what do we think of as good and true and beautiful? Mm -hmm. How do we encourage courage? How, do, what is our basis for, um, teaching respect? Um, how do you, how do you, how do we frame this and think through this? And I think for many of us, uh, and I, I think in the West, particularly things that we appreciate are rooted in Christianity. I mean, it is inescapably bound up with a Christian ethic, not only in the New Testament, the Old Testament as well. A lot of the laws, a lot of our legal system is based on laws or, or originates out of laws that we find in the Old Testament. And as we have moved away from that, there's a real shift and a real change there. Um, and so I think another reason to talk about this and to acknowledge it is that there are parents who are legitimately concerned. I was talking to a friend earlier this morning. He's an older friend um, and he has a grandkid and he found that his seven-year-old granddaughter came home and talked to his grandma and said, grandma, did you know that, um, that women can marry women? And, and it's like, what in the world, where, where, what is going on? Uh, and this is something that was being taught to her. Um, and, you know, the, it's one thing if that's like friends talking, it's another one that comes from a teacher, a mm -hmm. source of authority and um, uh, well, authority of knowing what they're talking about and saying things uh, and, or when that's talked about at home. And then um, you're tested on it. I mean, like, that's kind of like the, this was always the, the, the crux of the sort of fundamentalist debate about, you know, uh, creationism versus evolution in school. Like in, in education, you're not, you're not just sort of taught, uh, facts and then sort of left like left on your own to go make decisions for yourself. Like you're often tested on these things. And so you have to have the right answers. And so implicitly when you have an education system set up like that, you're, you're saying, okay, the right answer is this. And I think that's kind of part of that problem, the problem of teaching some of these issues, uh, especially ones that contradict deeply held religious beliefs is that 
you're implicitly telling kids there's a right answer to this question of marriage and you need to answer it right on the test. And like that, that causes big problems. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think something else that's interesting here is one of the criticism that was, that was offered by the opponents to this bill and heard about this is, is that it will lead to a lot of bullying. Um, it will lead to meanness that this is a mean bill. Again, part of the frustrating ingenuousness about this is that the opponents of it are acting like this goes all the way up to the top. Um, almost and almost makes it sound like the state's reaching into homes and telling parents what they can and can't talk to their kids about, which is pretty telling actually when they read a law and think that it's actually going into the home of telling parents what they can and can't talk about. Um, but they're saying that you know this will lead to to meanness and bullying of kids and you know, what's interesting about the bill is it doesn't, it doesn't say that like, I'm, I'm putting this in scare quotes, but you know, that teachers must promote a heteronormativity. And I, and I put that in a uh, very uh, sarcastic just because of the way that is such a dirty word for a lot of, in a lot of places. Um, the teacher just can't talk about gender norms and, and, and sexual identity in the classroom. The teacher can still promote respect. The teacher can still promote kindness these virtues that we know are important can still be promoted and taught to kids. And so to assume that like the ethic itself is, is impossible to detach from this, this incredibly new 15 minutes ago idea that you can be whatever gender you want to be, whatever moment you feel like it is, is just shocking. And I think shows part of the reason why people are so concerned about this is that this is, this is an ultimate freedom that is held, a freedom of the deepest, most profound self-expression for one. And I think consumerism second. Why? Because when you change your identity, you are the ultimate consumer. You have changed uh, a very, very profound thing and, and centered your whole life around this new product that you've created. Um, but that leads us to something else that you listened to earlier today. I sent it to you. A friend sent it to me. It's really good. It's a podcast. This is so meta. Um, it was a podcast uh, with N.T. Wright. A podcast within a podcast. It's oh, like Inception. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Russian nesting dolls. I guess they're Ukrainian nesting dolls now. I can't call them that anymore. Um, uh, but it's a podcast about uh, same-sex attraction, uh, homosexual relationships, and transgender. Um, and Robert, it's fresher on your mind than mine. So I'd love to you to give a little analysis and some of the thoughts that you know he thinks he's such a brilliant thinker and thinks about so things so much better, so much better than the rest of us. So it's helpful to have him. And I thought he just gave some really, really good stuff in there. So what, what were some of the things that he said that you think are relevant to this discussion? Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate it. It was 30 minutes of NT Wright kind of breaking down uh, both, you know, all three of those topics really well. Um, I think one of his most salient points was that um, uh, Gnosticism, which is what he uses as a, as the sort of uh, foundational philosophical uh, theme behind transgenderism, the separation of, of soul from body, um, that Gnosticism is effectively a protest movement against an imperial authority telling you what you can and can't be. Um, go ahead. Break that down into um, layman's terms. So why Gnosticism? What is that? What is the yeah. imperial regime? And why the protest movement against that? And what's the end goal? Right. So N.T. Wright's big thing, and I think he's kind of famously known for this as a historian of, of that era, um, that you know, one of the key distinctives of Gnosticism that emerges in the sort of sec late second century and on 
um, is this spirit body dualism that um, we're not one, you know, cohesive unit of soul and body, uh, but that actually you have a true self, which is your soul, your inner person. And then there's sort of the, the shell that you would inhabit and um, that, you know, you, you need to be true to your true inner self. Cause the body is that's, that's all wasting away that that's material. It's matter. It, you know uh, it, it, it's not as important. It's lower on the hierarchy. And so, um, uh, and so that's what, that's really what he sees as underpinning transgenderism is this sort of Gnostic understanding of soul and body that my true self, who I really am is a woman um, or a man. And so I must take on the other, you know, to, to be true to myself, I need to sort of strip this body. I need to change this body um, in order to fit with my true self. Um, so that's kind of what he's talking about. But he, he said, you know, Gnosticism was really a, a protest movement against, you know, um, sort of an imperial authority that tells you what you can and can't be. Um, and so for uh, 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 right, you might, you know, he might say, okay, for a lot of Gnostics throughout time, that's been the state that, you know, has told them like, you can do this and you can't do, do that. Um, and so they've rebelled, uh, against that way. Well, you know, I, I think we're seeing a very similar thing going on. So like what actually is happening in this debate is, you know, it, it's framed as a debate about biology and even both sides will use biological studies to try to prove their point. You know, there's lots of studies you can go out and find of doctors, uh, putting that in quotes, uh, who, you know, say, no, it's completely biological. It's completely, you know, chemical and, and that we can, we can give you reasons for why we need transgenderism to fit with, you know, the science and blah, 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 blah. Um, but we're really what we're not debate. We're not really having a conversation or a debate about biology. What we really are is having a conversation about authority um, on whose authority is their male and female and you can't change. Um, and so, uh, you know, one side, you know, the, the people against the bill uh, are doing exactly what you're talking about. They're, they're appealing to the authority of self-expression that like the only person who has the right to tell me what to do is me. Um, and so if I identify as a, as a female, then I have every right, um, to conform my body, uh, to fit that inner self. And, uh, especially in our, in our culture, um, and I, I therefore need everybody to affirm me. I need everybody to, to affirm my choice. Um, I think what people who are defending the bill, because we have to remember, it's not just Christians. There's a lot of non-Christians who support this bill. I think of someone like, uh, uh, I mean, she is, she, she, she's a, a, a Christian, uh, or at least claims to be a Christian, JK Rowling. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, sort of that first wave feminist movement that's very against transgenderism, um, even if a lot of them aren't actually Christians. Uh, the, uh, but, but they're appealing to the authority of natural law, that like there is a biological fact that's built into creation, into nature that we can't change. And that's just a fact of how things are. You know, Christians will look at that and say, yes, that's, that's right. And, you know, we looked at Genesis and see, okay, it's, it's backed by biblical authority as well. Um, and so really what I think N.T. Wright's right about is that this isn't really a debate about biology or science. This is, or even really like parental rights or anything like that. It's really a debate about authority and who's on whose authority do we say there are two genders, you know, and they, they correlate, you know, they correlate to your, your, um, assigned sex. You know, I think that's, that's really the debate at the, at the core. 
Yeah, and on that, one thing I'd like to point out is we're, we're not saying transgender and intersex are the same thing. We are aware that there are people who are born um, with what you'd call ambiguous genitalia or, or there was something um, that was not completely clear. That is a very different place from what we're talking about here, which is the born biologically male or female then chooses based on what you're saying with this Gnostic structure of, uh, I no longer choose to be this internally because I don't feel that way. I'm going to be something else. Um, you know, one concern of, well, we, we can get to the biblical basis of this, um, you know, at the very end tied up with, with Genesis one and two to say, this is our, our clearest boundary of this far you should go and no further. Um, but in addition to that, one of the things that N.T. Wright does, and I think he points out helpfully that there's something of a, um, a cocktail that made this drug a mixture of different, different elements and one of what he is calls the cult of Aphrodite. And he mm. said, calls her a very demanding goddess. And um, there has been a lot that we have said in our culture that I think we just take in. I don't, I don't think many Christians explicitly state this, but I think it's felt in some ways that like the only way to be truly human is to be sexually fulfilled. Um, but then that goes further as you should have as much sex as you want. You should have uh, sex with whomever you want, as long as it's consensual. You have, And so we have, and Carl Truman does a great job of this and the um, rise and triumph of the modern self of looking at how we got to where we are. But this idea of the person is primarily a sexualized being and needs to be sexually realized um, and to that, that has to happen. Otherwise they're non existent, uh, not real. And I think as Christians, something we can do to encourage our brothers and sisters to be faithful is to acknowledge the fact that um, that is not the basis of being a truly fulfilled human being. You know, our, our life here on earth is to prepare us to meet Jesus. Uh, that's something that we should think about a lot. I should think about that more is that what happens here is preparation for me to one day be with my Lord and Savior in the new heavens and new earth. Uh, anything short of that misses the mark. And so uh, just wanted to say that, point out those things. So make that exception. And then also talk about this, the sexualization of our culture that I have, has led us here where we have, um, we have lost this concept of us being made in the image of God, of being body and soul unified together. Uh, we've lost that there's more to us than just sex. Um, and then we've told people, be yourself, choose whatever you want. Uh, and there's the technology to allow you to realize it. And so those are just a couple of things, but, but I, I like what you're saying about the Gnosticism there, you know, and, and um, one thing that I did want to point back, there was one article that I read that was by a Republican congressman and he was opposed to this bill. And one of the things that he says in this bill um, and, and I, I don't agree with this point, but I think he makes one that, that begs a question and it's that um He's like, parents are upset about teaching same-sex attraction and uh, uh, teaching homosexuality and transgender. He says, but the truth is that heterosexual relations have always been normalized in schools. And the answer to that is like, okay, he's right. He's, he's right. That there is, there is sexuality is talked about in schools among kids. Mommies and daddies have been talked about. Um, you know, there's a number of things that, that have happened. So what is different here? What is the difference between these two? And um, I think what, as Christians, we don't want to say, well, nothing, they shouldn't be allowed to talk about any of it at all. Um, but then you start getting into a really interesting place where you're like, oh, okay. So what is the basis for what can and can't be taught? What should and shouldn't be taught? What are the limitations um, for, for what we think of as a good education? Um, 
yeah, I, I, I think, you know, what we, what we see is that there are certain virtues, uh, that there are certain um, ethical points that we, that we don't want to lose out on or uh, abandon um, from the public square. Yeah, that, that point sounds to me like somebody who's sort of like grasping with their last finger towards, you know, the completely naked public square. Mm-hmm. That, that sort of, I'll say, imagined reality. It never really was a, a naked public square. It was always um, ordered by a certain morality or a certain ethic. And, uh, you know, the, the, the question really in America is not how do we achieve this sort of like perfect neutrality? Um, where everyone uh, feels safe and affirmed. I, I think the question is, how do you um, promote the common good uh, or adhere to basic truth while allowing a, uh, a minority or a, or a um, dissenting opinion uh, space without being persecuted? I mean, that's, that's really the question. I, you know, I'm in this modern church history uh, class, you know, the, the things that are always sort of like, uh, amazing to us is we watch people be like, especially in England, we're thinking about the English reformation, right? Like Catholics will take the throne and they're like, what's the first thing they do? Well, they start like persecuting the Protestants and, and trying to drive them out of the country or to, to, to kill them. And then the same thing happens with Protestants take the crown and they try to do the same thing with the Catholics. You sit there and especially in a, in a 2022 context, you're like, well, why can't they just be tolerant? And you have to, you realize like that was actually a very, very hard thing to do. And it took a long, long time until you, we were in a place uh, as a, as a civilization to, to really do that. Um, And so, but the, the, it was never about achieving perfect neutrality the 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 goal was always to how do we live in society together with people who have different opinions about things um while maintaining a certain sort of common good truth while um also making sure that you know people uh uh you know are persecuted for their dissenting opinions and you know that's that's kind of me the the question about this issue and and what we're talking about sort of like well you can't promote heteronormity if you're not going to promote uh sort of the lgbtq ideology well to me that says that's that's a ridiculous framing of the the question the question is how do you uh because you want the state to promote truth you want laws to be based on truth how do we and we you know we believe that truth is you know there are two genders male and female Um, so how do we promote that how do we make sure that law conforms to that truth and then how do we, you know, uh, leave space for people who, who disagree, you know, where they can um, uh, 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 live peaceably? You know, you know, the first thing is like you don't round those people up and put them in camps. Like obviously, like that's one thing that you can do. Um, you know, another thing that this, this bill doesn't try to do, like you said, the bill doesn't go into people's houses and tell people how they have to teach their kids about sexuality and gender. I mean, that's that's not in the bill. That's that's left up to parents' discretion. I think where you do have to, where these things do get very tricky and and controversial um, is, you know, you have an obligation of the state to protect its citizens, right? Including children who can't vote and are not adults and can't make decisions for themselves. You know, the the horrible truth about the transgender movement that often uh, activists and and other and supporters don't want to talk about is the number of people who detransition. In fact, 
uh, Twitter recently had a sort of, uh, I think it was a detransition day where pe- people uh, who had transitioned uh, in their gender who, and then had retransitioned were kind of telling their stories and horrible stories of suffering and manipulation and grooming that was done to them by adults when they were children. Um, and, you know, you see some of these stories, uh, Ryan Anderson has documented these accounts very, very well, uh, in his book, um, about transgenderism that was banned from Amazon. And the, the truth of the matter is that there are a lot of kids that are preyed upon, um, by activists, transgender activists. And so as a state, you know, you're seeing kids and children being, you know, harmed, you know, as a, does the state have an obligation to go in and protect those, those kids? I think that's a hard question that you have to debate it, that you have to debate. Um, and so, you know, I think that's part of the, the aim behind stuff like this bill, where you want, you, you saying, okay, we, we want to prevent, you know, those things from happening, especially to kids up to nine years old. You know, we, we really want to prevent um, children who feel pressured or groomed to make certain choices that may not actually uh, be true at all. And so I think um, that's another a thought as I think about this bill and, you know, uh, how we think about enshrining these things in the law, because that's a very difficult question. Um, Christians are always going to be charged with claims of being Christian nationalists. Um, but I think we need to be very careful um, about uh, uh, using that moniker, because we might find that there's a lot of non-Christians who agree with a lot of these stuff with a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think as Christians, our ethics are uniquely shaped by the man on the cross. Our, our ethics are not shaped by an idea or a concept or a philosophical virtue system. They are shaped by uh, a man on the cross in the book that is written about him. So uh, when we decide what should be laws, I do think that the basis for our ethics is going to come out of scripture. It has to, that's 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 what we believe and i think the that as as god promised abram you shall be a blessing to all nations uh, god's book and how it's written is big enough and good enough to be a source of blessing in how we consider what should and shouldn't be laws for all people um for for a whole society to flourish um and you know you mentioned that this stuff being enshrined in laws, it is crazy that this is where we are. And I also think like, you know, there'd be pretty strong words used by a couple of generations ago if they heard that the teacher was telling a six-year-old that maybe they should think about switching their gender. I mean, there would be some real concern and red flags and like, whoa, pretty strong language about what's going on there. Um, and and I, I think, you know, our hearts as Christians should also be to protect children. Um, that means protect children from being preyed upon, like you said, and to protect children who are confused and who are wondering to uplift them, to protect them. Jesus treats children very well in the Bible. Mm-hmm. His, some of his strongest words in scripture are about kids. He cares a lot about them. And so mm-hmm. we should too. We should care a lot about kids and how they're treated and what's going on in their schools and make sure that they're loved and protected and lifted up. And when it comes to gender, it's rooted in Genesis 1, and that's Genesis 1, uh, 27, where it says, God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. That is not without accident. There is certainly sexual perversion that was going on in Egypt that they'd seen in the nations around them. Sodom and Gomorrah is mentioned in, in Genesis 18, so clearly that the, the local authors were aware that that 
it wasn't always the case that everyone had a heterosexual relationship. Um, and so scripture gives us the boundaries of these things. Um, it, again, it's not that you have to be married to be fulfilled or have sex to be fulfilled, but that, that the idea of a sexual union is made for a man and woman in the covenant of marriage. And, um, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a deep vital thing that uh, ought to be protected. And, um, yeah, we should be praying for our leaders to have courage to make the right decisions. Uh, we should be praying that backlash is not severe. We should be praying that, um, you know, I think another thing is when, when sometimes when people get a win, they choose to take another step that ends up being too far and ends up being vindictive, um, because they are tired of getting bullied. You know, there's just, sometimes we, both sides of the aisle do stuff that's like man why did you why did you have to go to like just as a way to get back at people why did you do that and so we we need to pray against that as well yeah no i think that's that's a really good point i just wanted to add real quick you said about you know jesus's words um about children and you know matthew 18 6 uh, comes to mind um about you know what what the punishment is for and, and the judgment that that is on people who uh, harm children, uh, and, and, uh, hurt them. And, you know, that it reminds me that, you know, law, just like church discipline, right. The law, the law protects the vulnerable, it protects the oppressed, it protects the, you know, abused. It's also there to protect potential oppressors and potential abusers and potential, you know, violators of the law, right. That, um, from judgment, I mean, we should we should want to protect children from these issues because we should we should say to like act transgender activists to be like look your life is too valuable to have this sort of judgment uh, uh, brought upon you like you don't want to invite this kind of judgment on yourself this is why this law is here to protect you um, and I think we need to be able to sort of be comfortable in that space because that's what we believe um, uh, as a, as a key part of. Of, of law. It's, it's how we think about church discipline, right? We don't discipline people uh, in the church because we want to hurt them or because we, we, we want to be vindictive. We, we discipline people in the church because we want to restore them and, and, and protect them from judgment. Um, and we have to think about law in kind of similar uh, ways sometimes. Um, and I think that's, that's a good example. I think you're totally right about, you know, being careful about being vindictive. I think that that temptation is so felt right now. I feel it within myself on a lot of things. Um, you know, I think uh, as I sort of survey the political landscape, I'm very disappointed in things. Um, and I, I think that um, uh, after recently writing about uh, spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6 and the way that rulers and authorities are listed amongst some of the different ways that the enemy operates, you know, I can see that now more um, as I survey our pol political landscape. So it's really easy and really you know, tempting to say, okay, we need to go out and then punish all these people that support this candidate or vote for these people. Um, and uh, I think we, we've got to sort of refrain from some of those feelings because they can be very dangerous. Um, you have, uh, vengeance is not ours, it's the Lord's. And so uh, I've been, I've, to counteract that, I, I've been turning to the Psalms because the Psalms have so many great poems about, feeling oppressed, feeling abused, feeling cornered and uh, uh, wanting to sort of take it out on your enemies. And the psalm, the psalmist always set, reverts back to finding the refuge in the Lord and knowing that the Lord will take care of all of these things, that the Lord will punish evil. The Lord will 
Um, and so we can just find refuge in him. Um, and I, I think that's been a very good counteracting balance of when I feel really vindictive, I just go to the Psalms and I see, oh, okay. That the Lord, Lord is in control. He's he, it's in his hands. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's, let's leave it here. There's a lot that we didn't talk about in this because it's, it's everywhere. It seems to be a frontier here where a lot of, and I hate the phrase culture war. I don't want to call it that. Cause I think it's um, for one, it's used in a demeaning way, a pejorative way that, that misses the importance of what's going on. And the other, it seems to assume tactics that are, that are less than helpful, but um, you know, uh, we didn't even mention NCAA stuff with Leah Thomas and swimming um, that's going on there. I could hear audience members like screaming that in the background as we were talking in this conversation. I was like, people, we're not even going to mention this. No, we, we, we won't, uh, except for we did just then, doggone it. It's tricky, very trippy. Um, but we'll, we'll come back to this in a few weeks, actually, and maybe do a little more on how we can think about sexuality in the state um, and how we can think about what, what it means to be. American citizens and sexuality and uh, the importance of laws. I mean, just as a set up the way that the the public perception of um, an approval of of same sex marriage has grown after the uh, Supreme Court decision. Um, so culture being downstream from politics as as well as upstream. It's it's uh, it's like a it's like a, uh, a lazy river. So, um, ooh, are you can you trademark that? That's good. Yeah. Or did you steal that from somebody? No, no. Well, probably. I think Mark Twain said the only original people were Adam and Eve. Oh, um, that's everyone good. else is borrowed. So. But yeah, that, whole, that whole like downstream thing is is very cliched at this point. Uh, but I like the Lazy River. That's good. That's you might you might need to get on record with that. Gosh, Lazy Rivers are disgusting. So I don't know <laughs> gosh, how. they are gross. <laughs> <laughs> what I think about that. Um, well, Hey guys, thank y'all so much for listening. Uh, come back next week for our announcement. Uh, we, we are very grateful to be with you. We love what we get to do. Uh, love that we get to serve the men and women on Capitol Hill, uh, and beyond in our state capitals with other ministry of state, uh, servants. And so, uh, look forward to being back with y'all next week. 